right, welcome to Out of the Blue, part of Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that knows if your Heisman moment is a 10-yard loss, you're probably not a Heisman candidate. I am Jared Stormer of Maize and Brew. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of Maize and Brew. Andy, you metaphysical ham sandwich of a man. How you doing, my friend? I'm living. I couldn't feel any better right now. Our Heisman moment was not a 10-yard loss, and we finished second. Just, I couldn't be better, man. How are you? Life is good right now, my friend. I'm still in the midst of a traveling debacle back in Ohio now, back in the land in which my Michigan fandom was grown. So uh, that part of it, you know, it's good to be back around and see the Michigan gear out here back where I grew up. Um, the pride has been returned to Ohio, at least to uh, north, Northwest Ohio. It's, it's good to see. It's almost like you should move back now and just finally bask in it for all those years you had to tolerate it when there was just scarlet and gray everywhere. Yeah, if I were to move back, I assure you we would lose for the next nine years. That's how it works, my friend. So we're not gonna we're not gonna rely on my fandom to get us to the next promised land. I assure you that won't get us there. How have you been uh, dealing with uh, life without Michigan football? You we've got Michigan basketball going on, but uh, no Michigan football this last weekend. All we had was the Army Navy game. How you getting through? You know, as much fun as it is to watch 1940s style of World War II era football, I opted to just sit around and, you know, read online, watch fans melt down, and then hope for Michigan football to return magically, but I still have two more weeks. I did watch Army-Navy, but I was in the Navy, so there is some pride in that game. Navy, uh, the 3-8 and eight Navy midshipmen pulling out the win in that, so that was enjoyable to watch. But yes, a week without Big Ten football. We are still, hang on, let me check my watch. We are still Big Ten champions at this point right now. I think we're going to hold on to that for some time. Yeah, what does your watch say? Still Big Ten champions. We're still good. Just making sure. All right, but we've got Michigan basketball right now. We just suffered. It's getting to the point, my friend. I'm starting to push, not the panic button, but maybe the concern button, which is directly to the left of the panic button. And it's maybe a, it's not a red button, but it's maybe a bright orange button because we just lost to Minnesota 75-65 at home. And Michigan doesn't look to have many answers. Uh, Hunter Dickinson currently leads this team in three-point percentage. Devontae Jones looks like he maybe has cerebral palsy sometimes out on the floor. I don't know if he's a, a Big Ten point guard. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Concern is rising for the Michigan basketball team. It's very surprising. Like, we knew there was going to take some time for the team to blend and come together with the chemistry issues and all the moving pieces. But the product we're getting right now is very, very disappointing. Like, there's just too much talent on this team for them to be this bad. And doing it at home, not even on the road yet in a hostile environment, has me concerned not only for our preseason expectations of Final Four or National Championship of – can we make the damn tournament? It might come to that. Can we make the damn tournament? Because, yeah, like you said, um, we are losing games that we should at least be in, if not winning outright. And we are getting run off the court against Minnesota, getting run off the court against North Carolina. Purdue is outrageously good this year. Like, what happens when we have to face them in the Big Ten tournament? Concern level is rising, and I liked your point that you made. The talent level is too high for it to be what it is. With Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston being like the true freshman that you're relying on maybe too much. But everybody else, 
you know, all the guys coming back that really haven't lived, none of them have lived up to, to the hype that we had built into this season coming into 2021 basketball season. One of the biggest issues that remains, and I don't see it getting fixed, is the lack of shooters surrounding Hunter Dickinson. Eli Brooks is knocked down, but there's just not enough to go around. Diabate is so raw, like he has all the athleticism and skills, but looks lost at times on defensive rotations. So everyone's going to have to grow up in a hurry. Maybe some scheme adjustments here from Jawan Howard and the staff. But last week I was joking that it was like a, a two or a one or not even concerned, but it's climbing. It's climbing. Uh, I had a theory here, and I know you watch a little bit of NBA basketball. It kind of seems like we're built like the current Toronto Raptors. We have like four very, very switchable guys that are power forwards or small forwards in name, but are actually like, I don't know, they're very switchable guys. But we've got, I don't know, how many power forwards are we trying to play on the court? There's Brandon Johns, Musa Diabate, Terrence Williams, we're trying to get all these guys minutes, and they're kind of the same position. None of them are elite shooters yet. Caleb Houston can play the three or the four, and we don't really have guard depth. So we're relying on the development of Frankie Collins, Kobe Bufkin, Devontae Jones. I'm already out on Devontae Jones. I think we're both out on Devontae Jones as the primary point guard. So um, unless there's a huge development from Frankie Collins, I could see this being a disappointing Michigan basketball team this season just based on what I've seen early on. Juwan Howard definitely has his work cut out for him, but one of the biggest takeaways from this game that's completely irrelevant to anything you just said because it's so spot on is, man, Frankie Collins has great hair. I just love watching Frankie Collins' hair in the wind. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. If there's nothing else to take away from this, it's uh, enjoy watching Frankie Collins get out on the fast break because when that guy moves, that hair is flowing. But other than that, it's a team that looks completely disconnected um, I don't know who the leader is on offense. I think it should be Eli Brooks. Um, my 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 disconcern with the Devontae Jones at point is reached uh, its maximum level. So I don't know where they go from this, but there is, like I've said every single podcast, there's enough talent that this can be fixed. But now the concern level has been ratcheted up a little bit, for me at least. I never thought I'd miss Jeff Jackson at point guard so much. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, brother. All right, but uh, a follow-up question. When Michigan remains Big Ten champions, which last time we checked, which was, I believe, six minutes ago, they still were, how upset can you really be about you know, the basketball team when we still have Big Ten, when we still have Michigan football that like is meaningful football left to discuss? We always joked about that Michigan was a basketball school now, but we agreed before this year and ever will be because the excitement, enthusiasm around when the football program is good and elite like they are now, it's unrivaled. So everything else is just their champagne problems as well. We can really sweat out basketball in February and March, but you can't just let one little rain cloud ruin a sunny day. Like it's way too bright outside. My goodness. You are really, truly like the, the rolled doll, the Dr. Seuss of our time. Thank you for these, these words of wisdom to help us through these dark nights. But that being said, yeah, if you're really upset about the Michigan basketball team, there is certainly light that you can look for. And I think that uh, the majority of our listeners probably have found that light in the fact that we have uh, a Heisman candidate to discuss. We have Broyles Award winners to discuss. We, uh, yeah, so there's plenty on the football side that should provide you light at the end of your tunnel.
absolutely there's just there's just way too much to look forward to right now like why focus on the one small negative when there's so much coming on the horizon with all these awards coming out for the team national signing day right around the corner so no let's don't look at that and just let it ruin your party right now there's way too much positive and it's nice to see even on that vitriol inescapable hellscape of twitter that everyone else is still looking at football as well because that's all that matters right now it is all that matters let's make the switch to it thusly Aiden Hutchinson came second in the Heisman voting. Bryce Young takes it. Pretty much what we expected there. But what we did not expect was some of the content that came from that, which we will get into in the second half of this podcast. But I kind of wanted to talk about Aiden Hutchinson's case for Heisman. Going into this and try to, as I mean, as you do, I know you always do, remove your bias. What did you believe his chances were at the Heisman coming into this just from a college football fan and not from a maize and brew, you know, affiliate and writer of Michigan? Did you think that he actually should have won it or was that more so your Michigan fandom? Complete Michigan fandom. I thought the order was correct, especially at the top. I thought with <laughs> with it being Bryce Young coming down to Aiden to pick it and then C.J. Stroud was the correct order. You could maybe toss Stroud out and invite Kenneth Walker instead, but that's a different podcast. But no, Hutchinson deserved to be number two because of his impact on this team and what he did. But Bryce Young won this thing with the Auburn performance and then knocking off Georgia. Like You're splitting hairs at that, part, at that point. And it's a quarterback-driven award, so Hutch finishing second is a massive accomplishment. That's about where I thought he should have been, and I can't fight it. No, I'm with you. Now, here's a little bit of a superlative. Had the sack fumble recovery for touchdown against Michigan State, and we're 12-0, if he gets that one play, so that's add one sack, 15 sacks, add a touchdown and a fumble recovery, does that do it for you? Does that change it? Undefeated team, number one outright. Yeah, give him the damn award. What else does he have to do? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I'm with you. So literally one play that the Big Ten admitted was incorrect probably could have swung this thing. So it was closer than uh, people realized, but I wanted to bring up some stats from some previous defensive linemen that have got nominated just because his stats were incredible this year. He obviously broke the single-season sack record at Michigan broke his father's record, won the Big Ten Championship, most important player on the number two team. I get all that. I'm there for it. Uh, But listen to some of these stats. Chase Young, 2019, had 16 and a half sacks before he entered the Michigan game. Had none against Michigan, though, worth noting. Okay. In Dominican Sioux, 2009, this one definitely gets me. This is a defensive tackle. 12 sacks, an interception, 85 tackles, 20 and a half for loss and a rushing touchdown as a defensive tackle. So I wanted to like bring that one up particularly because uh, when you're looking at stats and a lot of people are really upset about Aiden Hutchinson not winning it, there have been some college players that have put up stats that absolutely dwarf his. Yeah, they put up stats and they finished way worse than he did. What Aiden Hutchinson did was shine in the biggest moments of the season in, a, honestly, a down year for the Heisman. So that that was one thing that contributed to his second-place finish, and that's just the fact. But it was against Ohio State, like all the narrative around that you have to have a strong narrative if you're going to win the Heisman, and that's exactly what he did with the preseason talk and then living up to it at the end of the season. And it's you can't ignore the fact when a brand as big as Michigan finally topples Ohio State and finally wins the Big Ten for the first time in 17 years. 
You're so right, man. And I think that it's that bigger narrative of the intangibles and the things that you don't necessarily see on tape and what that meant to this season that really fueled that Heisman drive. That and the fact that Michigan is an incredible brand that has really been resurgent. And uh, when Michigan is good, now we see what happens with the national media and the respect for Michigan. I have to imagine it would be the same for Texas and USC when they eventually return to prominence that people want to reward these these premier programs. Naden Hutchinson was part of that resurgence, so you're absolutely right. Want to talk more about that, but before we get into that, need to take a moment to talk about Home Field Apparel out of Indianapolis, where we just came in and showed that city what we're about. And we've been calling that out for a while. like to thank Home Field Apparel for their sponsorship of this podcast over the last couple of years. It's been an incredible partnership. And they are a licensed apparel company that can absolutely take care of you if you need anything Michigan-related. I guess you can go get some other college team. They've got you covered, but I definitely would prefer you get Michigan Athletic Apparel. And it's old school. It's new school. My favorite one is my T-shirt I've got with the old Wolverine logo. It looks like an old sailor kind of logo from the 40s or 50s. It's great. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Um, your last point that you made there, and I kind of wanted to talk about that, and we'll lead into our next point with that, is the importance that Aiden Hutchinson had on this team to a great, excellent winning team. Is there anyone that comes to mind, granted we haven't seen as many winning teams in our lifetime as maybe some Michigan fans past, is there anyone that comes to mind that really matches what Aiden Hutchinson has meant to this team, in your opinion? Is there anyone that you can think of in the in a, in the history of the Michigan program in a great season other than Woodson 97? Well, let's take that off the table. You take that off the table and it's very difficult because this season was preceded by a decade of pain, 17 years without the conference championship, and you can't just replicate that. You don't replicate the worst era of your program against their rivals and at large <clears throat> overnight by any means. So no, what Aiden Hutchinson did this season was set the standard for how to be a Michigan man, a leader. And after the Ohio State game, Jim Harbaugh said it best. It feels like the beginning because this is a complete rebirth after everything had been burned down. Now they can rebuild with an Aiden Hutchinson set the foundation. I agree with you as always. I mean, we agree with each other way too much. Maybe one day I'm going to start just disagreeing with you just to make the podcast more interesting. But that's what happens when you get two buddies that are just sitting here <laughs> shaking each other's hands, patting each other on the back. Um, you, you spoke there about uh, the future of Michigan and what people are looking at as far as this current Michigan team. And we're not going to get into the Georgia game just yet. Uh, we've got one more week of podcast for prep for that. Um, have you been watching your Georgia tape yet? Have you started on your film study? I've been grinding more recruiting tape this week as I was texting you my Zeke Berry comments Same. recently. But there is, there's the Georgia tape's coming. I've seen some things, been watching some Jordan Davis lowlights that make me feel really good. And um, besides that, I'm saving it all. I need to get through the holidays. Family time is very stressful. So I'm going to save all that tape for those days. I understand. Uh, the reason I bring that up is Dan Lemon, the defensive coordinator for Georgia. Surprisingly, if you ask me and some other people in the uh, college football uh, zeitgeist in the know-how, think that that was a surprising hire by Oregon. And now Georgia is without their defensive coordinator. I have not heard if he's going to coach that game yet. Do you know if he plans to coach that game? I believe he is. I believe he's trying to do like handle both. It's not completely, you know, unheard of, but 
very difficult when you're trying to build your program through National Signing Day and prep for this Michigan offense. Good luck. That's tough. So I don't know how much of a factor that's going to play, but you'd be lying if you said it wasn't a factor. So that's something uh, we got another week until we actually break down Georgian next week in our podcast. So we'll see what his level of involvement is going to be in their defense. But it would be impossible to say that doesn't matter at all. You know, it has to matter at least a little bit to lose your defensive coordinator on the number one ranked defense, and actually statistically the number one ranked defense over the last three years. That's insane. I think it also speaks volumes to how down the SEC East is because you see what they they play a decent offense like Alabama, what they can do. I really think the Ohio State offense might hang 45 on them at least. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited to start talking Georgia with you next week. There are some ways to exploit that defense, but you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't say that they were full of horses on that defense. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, the other linebacker whose name escapes me, but I mean, they're fast, they're big, they're physical. It'll be interesting, and their offensive coordinator now making a move over to Oregon, which a lot of people thought it'd be Chip Kelly. It is not. It is the Georgia D.C., so the landscape has shifted, and this will impact this game at least a little bit. It might be the smallest little impact that you could imagine, but it will impact the game. It has to. Yeah, it may not be something, but it's not nothing. So there's going to be at least a little impact here and there from it with players know he's leaving or just anything. Like even if you can't like quantify it on the field, this is going to impact that locker room to some degree. Yep, I'm with you. Excited to talk about that one. We're going to take a quick break, though. We've got a, an interesting second half. It was a week of vitriol online between Michigan and Ohio State fans with the awards being presented, um, which we will also discuss in the second half of this pod. But uh, I think we need to talk about just the overall charm and softness of some of our rivals after Michigan has finally found their place in the college football pantheon. We're going to discuss that and more when we get back. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this podcast, I want to talk about some shade, if you're up for it, my friend. they We all watched the Heisman ceremony, and while it was a bit awkward, which you're going to have happen if you have a bunch of guys up there and it's kind of unscripted and you've got guys from different universities, there was a quote by Desmond Howard and a little bit of one by Aiden Hutchinson that really ruffled some feathers over in the Ohio State fan base. And there was a a full-on Twitter meltdown yesterday. You and I have moved on in our lives and no longer participate in such things. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't discuss just how upset Ohio State fans are over one loss in 10 years. It felt so good. Warmed the cockles of my heart to see that, that (laughs) they were just so upset about one little jab on national television. and Oh my God, poor CJ Stroud, this and that. We took those every every week, every day for 10 years. So I don't want to hear about that. Waited for so long. And then you just melt down over one little joke and local reporters are upset and saying this. Just imagine if Vaughn or somebody was like, Oh my God, I can't believe Ryan Day made this little joke on TV. Not even Ryan Day, Kirk Herbstreit made this little joke. Grow up. It's okay. You'll be fine. So you have that. But before that, you had uh, CJ Stroud come out and he said that the only reason that he lost was because he had the flu, which was never mentioned before. 
maybe trying to get some sort of Jordan flu game, post-game magic going, but in a game that's a loss. Then he also came out and said his Heisman moment was the touchdown that he broke against Michigan that was called back for the most obvious holding known to man. So you have some of the weakest energy that I've ever heard from a defeated team. Now, granted, it's coming from their freshman quarterback, but Ohio State, who has been, you know, showing up with the severed head of Chase Winovich, we're going to hang 100 on him. Urban Meyer talking about how our culture is broken. This team now trying to come at us saying, we don't know how to win. We don't know how to be classy. I know you're loving this, but speak to me on a, for a moment about how absurd this is. MF had the sniffles and is going to say, oh, it affected my game. Can't play like this. Get out of my face. Like This is just ridiculous and just weak energy. You're making excuses. Even the intelligent Ohio State fans, though far and few between, are embarrassed by these comments because we would be the same if Denard Robinson or Wilton Spader, Jabril Peppers or Jordan Lewis like, oh, well, our team was sick. No, you don't make excuses. You got your ass kicked and you can't cope with it. So this program is in a kind of a small state of disarray. Urban Meyer was a good coach there and had a good program. But as Harbaugh alluded to, some coaches act like they hit a triple, although they were born on third. So Ryan Day better get control because he's got freshmen stomping on jerseys, freshmen making excuses to the media. And it seems like he might be looking for the exit door sooner than later. Bro, Wilton Spade had a broken collarbone in 2016, and we lost because of the refs. And we never complained about the injury. We said the ref, you know, the officiating was awful. Uh, Devin Gardner had a broken foot, and it, we came up just a two-point conversion short in, what, 2013, I believe that was. And nobody ever for Michigan used the, the injury as an excuse. So to come out and say, oh, I had the flu, uh, bro, the flu didn't sack you three times. That was Aiden Hutchinson, my boy. <laughs> Stroud had the sniffles and acts like that's why Hassan Haskins had five tutties and we didn't even face a third down in the second half. Come on. Right, right. Get out of here, bro. Nobody cares whatsoever. There's a quote from Blake Corum, and I think it's maybe the best quote I've ever heard said by a human person. Um, he did not write this quote. I forget who it was from, but he said, and I quote, excuses are tools of incompetence used to build bridges to nowhere and mon monuments of nothingness. And those who use them seldom specialize in anything else. Go blue. And I don't think anyone's ever thrown more shade. I believe this is actually closer to blotting out the sun than throwing shade. Yeah, the sun is gone on this one. Mikey Sainer still was more on the nose with bro said he had the flu. But Blake Corb just came for the jugular, the head, the whole body, and just nuked him so eloquently. I mean, that was beautiful. It is beautiful, and Blake Corb's a smart dude. I mean, the dude just got his NIL letter, and he's giving away turkeys out in the street like he's Bumpy Johnson. Like, man of the people, Blake Corb. I'm there for it. I feel like we have to get our Michigan tattoos, and this quote might be in the running for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. we have Michigan tattoos coming next time I see you, buddy. I've uh, I've got some traveling ahead of me, and uh, shout out to our listeners, man. I'm going to give a shout out here in a minute to a new listener, but uh, you know, all the people that we've connected with over the years through this podcast, our boy Jose reaches out to me, heard that I'm traveling in the Pacific Northwest, and he's like, I got a place for you to stay and beers. Let's go. 
like our our listeners are the best so definitely want to give a shout out to our people um and yeah we we love you as much as you clearly show love to us it is awesome to finally get to like hang out with some of these dudes salt of the earth that rules man shout out jose that what's the cool move just to be nice and genuine and we try to carve out our own little corner of twitter and just like you know put out good energy and just you know mess around and shoot the breeze so it's nice to have a bunch of guys just being dudes over here guys being dudes there's nothing better than it all right wanted to talk recruiting with you this was something you wanted to discuss but before we get into your recruiting points um i had a bit on recruiting because i'm here back in ohio Uh, Like I said, unfortunately for a funeral, but getting to see some of my family and some of my good friends who are close with a really prominent like state title winning uh, high school football team here. You can put together those dots, if you will. And I was talking with the defensive coordinator for that team and with my stepdad, and they've got dudes on this team that I've now watched play that are unreal good. James Hudson was a guy that I said in years past, Deshaun Kaiser who uh, went to Notre Dame was a guy that I mentioned in years past that like, yo, Michigan needs to be in on this guy. The reason I'm bringing this up, these are guys that should in any other year be four-star talents. We're talking about a wide receiver, Sam Lee, 6'6", and runs a 4'4". He has 17 touchdowns on the year. He has no Division I offers. I'm bringing this up to say this is a very strange year for recruiting because of the COVID year, because of the transfer portal. Teams have more guys on their team than they know what to do with. And it's like you almost need to start removing guys' scholarships in order to bring in some of these seniors. So I kind of wanted to talk to that about you. Like, I, I know this might not be something that you're super close with, but what do you think that means for some of these seniors that are not getting recruited that are not getting seen that in other years would be three stars four stars what do you think is going to happen to some of these players that are caught in the wash this year i think the lower levels of college football are about to get a hell of a lot better you're going to add these guys to division two naia division three levels and i think eventually or maybe even juco and eventually they can transfer up and immediately be impactful but they're the ones that have to suffer the brunt of this unfairly Like, it's not fair to them, but it happened. It's something they have to deal with. So I think they could move down and then take the jump up. But they're going to go to a small pond, and they should be with the big boys in the ocean. They're going to dominate for a little bit. So hopefully they get their looks, and I always think good ball always wins out. So if they can go small and win, eventually they'll come out on top. I mean, that's what you have to hope for. And special uh, shout out to Ryan Brown, the D.C. there over at Central Catholic, who gave me some interesting insight into this. Um, it is, you hope that, you know, eventually good ball will win out and they'll be able to go that Juco level or to the lower division level, but the numbers of kids that are able to do that, I don't have them on hand. I don't know what the statistics are, but I know like from having some exposure to this, that that's a low level of kids that are able to go from that lower level to that next level. And maybe it's better with the transfer portal. And maybe, maybe this evens itself out where player where teams like Michigan are looking more at the 1AA and the JUCO ranks to recruit. But there could be a a year here of really like lost kids that have a ton of talent. I mean, this kid from Central Catholic, he's all state 6'6 and runs a 4'4. How does he not have a Division 1A offer? It's unbelievable. 17 touchdowns too. It's not like he can't catch. It's not like he can't catch. Like So that's just like one, you know, shout out to my Toledo people, but that's just like one example 
of, of kids are going to get lost in the mix here. And as much as we love that Ronnie Bell's coming back, for every Ronnie Bell that comes back, that's one Sam Lee that doesn't get a roster spot, you know? So it's just something to think about. It is, and it's. I'm glad you brought that up because light needs to be shed on it because the, the Sam Lees of the world are going to pay the tax for Ronnie Bell coming back. Now, granted... I'm sorry, in any world, I'm going to take Ronnie Bell over Sam Lee. All due respect to the kid. You take Ronnie Bell, of course, of course. Yeah, these are the kids that are going to pay the price for it. Hopefully it's only short-term and in the long-term they can get it all back. Yeah, and it, you know, in the NBA, there's kind of like a built-in catch for this. Granted, you're dealing with less people. You've got 130 players on a typical college roster so versus, what, 11 to 15 on an NBA roster or a college basketball roster. So you're dealing with a much... There's just more players that are going to get caught up in this. So I hope that there's some way that maybe we can, you know, even extend it even more for these players. Because another point they brought up was maybe we shouldn't have given an extra COVID year to the freshmen. And I thought that was an interesting point. Like definitely you give it to the seniors, but do you need to give the freshmen that extra COVID year? It's tough, man. At that time, there's just so many moving parts and no one really knew what they were doing. And you, obviously you can't retroact it now, but that's an interesting thought. But at the time, all these kids are thinking, I'm out here risking it anyway. Blake Corman, players like that, couldn't see their families over the holidays or anything. So they still had to make the sacrifices to play. There's just, there is no right answer. It's just, it's just one of those situations that just kind of sucks. No, no, you're right. There was no right answer. I just wanted to bring it up. Um, all right, you had some points on recruiting you wanted to discuss. Yes, yes. Let's bring it up real quick. Why don't you start us off? Um, why is your favorite player Zeke Barry? It's something that we agree upon. Usually we each have our own guy in the class. They're like, that's my guy. And it's it's always almost always somebody different. Um, I think we were both high on Devin Bush, maybe, was like the last time we were both like, Oh yeah, yeah that guy. I was higher on Colson. I forget who your guy was in the last in the Colson's class. Um but yeah, so I was right on Colson. Whatever. We go back and forth every year. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're wrong. This year, we're both in on the same guy. I watched Zeke Barry's highlights for about two minutes before I was like, oh, I'm in love with this kid and I'm going to see if I can adopt him. He was, his highlights are outstanding. He's just, he can play coverage. He can play man to man. He flies all over the ball. He's aggressive. But what I love most is he's the captain of the defense. It reminded me of Rod Moore this year, where he's calling out plays, moving people positionally, and he always plays a hundred miles an hour. Like it is unbelievable to watch him play. I love this kid. Yeah, I was trying to find a comp for him, and like you and I were throwing out some weird ones. It was like, I guess, like a less athletic Khalid Hudson with more coverage skills, or maybe that just makes him a Dax Hill light. But he kind of is his own player, but he seems like absolutely, like you said, a captain of the defense back there. Ball skills, extremely athletic. Um, it's just one of those tapes that when you watch, you see this is a guy that this is going to translate. And every now and again, you get a player like that. Like Junior Colson was like that for me last year when I was like, oh, that that absolutely translates. Um, and in years past, I'm trying to think of guys um, past where I was like, oh, yeah, no. And sometimes you're wrong. You know, uh, uh, what was his name? The the running back under Rich Rod, Sam McGuffey. You know, you can be wrong, too. Oh, God. The Sam McGuffey <laughs> tape was the, legendary. My fa- 
My favorite comp for uh, Zeke Barry is I made it up today. He's he's like Coke Zero version of Jabril Peppers. Like he's not the second highest rated recruit in Michigan history, but he is not too far off, and he's got that type of potential and fire. And I think he's a versatile piece that Mike McDonald's just going to completely maximize. He could absolutely be as good as Dax Hill has been for us. I mean, Dax Hill's a five-star recruit, so everyone kind of holds him in this higher esteem, and I love Dax Hill. But Dax Hill was maybe the fourth most important person on our defense this year. Yeah, maybe maybe fourth most important. He could come back, but he's the second-rated safety in, in the NFL draft court to Todd McShay, so he ain't coming back. No, we're going to lose him. We're going to lose Ojabo. Just deal with that. And that's okay because of guys like Zeke Barry. I've got one more guy that I really like and uh, started out as a three-star, just got moved up to a four-star. Defensive lineman Mason Graham out of California. I don't know if you've made it to his tape yet. Is he the 335-pound defensive tackle? That's Kenneth Graham. Kenneth Graham I like too, but the tape on Mason Graham looks like I don't know. He looks like a Mike Martin to me. Like he looks like a guy active hands. Like he's going to be a disruptor in the middle at defensive tackle and started as a three star just because of his competition. And that dude, that dude's going to play way above his ranking. I can tell you that right now. I don't know that he'll be a star. Whereas I think Zeke Barry could be a star, but I think Mason Graham's going to be like a Ryan Glasgow esque, really good defensive lineman. I like that a lot. I'm going to have to go back and make sure I give him a double watch. But my other guy in this class is tight end Colston Loveland, the uh, no, I believe number one player out of Idaho. Kid is a converted wide receiver, also a stud basketball player, outstanding hands. But what I love most in his tape is he has the physicality and willingness to block. Like it's Eric all reminiscent. He's just running over people. He has the soft hands in space is deceptively elusive in space so I think you could see him on the field next year especially as much as Gaddis and Harbaugh like to deploy three or four tight ends if you're a recruit sitting there watching this current Michigan team obviously offensive line defensive line are going to be areas that you're like okay wow this team really has it going but say you're a a high school recruit right now what position would you say Michigan really is the most appealing destination for? Like, is there a position group that you think people are looking at after this year? Obviously, like we said, offensive line, defensive line, remove those. Is there a position group that you think recruits are looking at and saying, wow, Michigan might be the spot to go now? This is too easy, especially on offense. Just give me two. Give me running back and give me tight end because that's what we do, baby. We run the damn ball and then we throw it to the tight ends. I agree. I think tight end should really take a recruiting uptick from what we've seen. Not a lot of people are talking about Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker, three-star, making one-handed catches out there. Like Luke Schoonmaker, for God's sakes, we've got what's-his-face playing for the, I forget his name already, McEwen. McEwen is playing for the Cowboys. Why are tight end recruits not like taking more attention to Michigan, especially when you take into account what Harbaugh did at Stanford? And in San Francisco with his tight ends, I, I think you you hit the point that I was trying to make is that tight end should be looking at Michigan. Yeah, and although Scooney and Eric All both are 
more than likely coming back. You lose Haningford, you lose Carter Seltzer. Like this is the time for somebody else to step in there and get some run, and especially as a young player to learn from somebody like Eric All, who's gone through the lowest lows and now the highest highs. You can't replace that. No, I'm with you. I think that's an area. Um, I also think that wide receiver, and obviously you mentioned running back. That's a clear one. But wide receiver, man, we are loaded there. And, um, you know, I know you got a hard out here, but we're, I'm excited to talk as we go on in this offseason about our depth chart for next year, which is going to be insane to talk about. Like, it's, it, it's really exciting as far as the young players we got coming up. The offense is just absurd. When you look through, it's like, okay, uh, Hassan's gone, Vastardis is gone, and okay. All right, there's that. Let's keep it moving. All right, all right then. We're going to lose one offensive lineman, I'll bet. I, I could see Stuber going, pro. I, I could see that as well, but it's like besides that, we have so much depth right now and experience with the Barnharts, the Keegans, the Zinters, the Atterberries, like just like the Greg Crippens of the world, Crippen fans stand up. So we're going to be fine. The, Gre- <laughs> the Greg Crippens of the world. Like, how do you sleep at night? Well, we have Greg Crippen. Of course I sleep well at night. Greg Crippen, don't forget, was J.J. McCarthy's high school center. I won't forget. Are you kidding me? That's what gets me through the day, my friend. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us this week, unless you have any final points. I mean, there's a ton to talk about, but uh, we're in between weeks here. We've got the big one coming up next week. Might do another two next week. What do you think? I'm always down for two. And apologies if there's any delays. My computer's having some issues tonight. We'll get it all sorted out. So this is, uh, you know, one for us, I guess. But next week, we're really going to get back after it for one for you guys. Look, Andy has tremendous stamina, but even the best of us, one out of eight times, performance issues. It's fine. <laughs> Just always establish the run. Everything else takes care of itself. Establish the run and you'll be just fine out there, my people. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue this week. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at JStorm underscore 303 or Andy at UMAndyB. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.